thanks for tuning in to the Undercuts review episode of the Austrian Grand Prix. Please rate and review the show wherever you listen and enjoy. By being a racing driver, you are under risk all the time. By being a racing driver means you are racing with other people. And if you no longer go for a gap that exists, you're no longer a racing driver. So we had the Austrian Grand Prix at the Red Bull Ring this weekend, a track that looked like it would be suited for Ferrari, but Red Bull has done very well here in the past. It's also the second sprint qualify or sprint weekend that we've had since Imola, I believe, was the first one, correct? Yeah. How many are there going to be? Are there going to be three again this year or are there going to be three? But yeah, I mean, I think Brazil, I think, this is I think the halfway point of the season now after t- after this race. We had one relatively early. It feels like if it's Brazil, that's going to be really, really late. I don't know, in, in the prior season or two, I guess, since we've had sprint races, it felt like they came really quite closely grouped together, but we've not had one in a while. And I like how it's formatted that they've kind of put one in early, put one in in the middle, put one in late. It does mean, however, that, not expecting it. I didn't get my Coupes F1 picks in, in time for qualifying. I saw that. Um, shucks. I didn't send out a ride no. until late. <laughs> so, and so, and yeah, so it was, it was Friday sort of mid morning when, when qualifying happened, but it was a pretty eventful qualifying. Early on Q1, the main part that I noticed early was that track limits was going to be an issue. I guess just with the visibility in these new cars, it's just harder for them to be able to line it up. Right. That's right. And hit the apexes the way they were. Because, I mean, even, I mean, we didn't really hear the team radio as much during qualifying, um, but no one's to give too much away for the race itself. But you had people coming on the radio saying, why? I, di- I didn't run wide. I didn't think I was running wide. And it's only then when you look at them on the grid and you realize how much bigger the yellow line is that comes out from the side of the, the grid slot this season versus yeah. in the past. In the past, you know, maybe the it was like two or three feet, the little yellow line that they know that they, they line their, their front wheel on. Now it, it's almost, it's like it goes out six or eight feet out the side of the car. You know, the side um, in these current cars with the big wheels and the they've had these, uh, these sort of, not mud guards, but these, these fairings over the wheels, it feels like, they don't really know where the edge of the car is, which is surprising because we were in Monaco and obviously Monaco, you have to know where the corners of the car are. And there weren't that many crashes, but um, it no. was interesting nonetheless. I, I saw a stat of how many track limit violations there were during the course of the race. And it was 60 something, I think is the number that yeah. picks out. So we all talk about consistency, but it feels like now with these two race directors, one is a stickler for one thing, one's a stickler for another, and you don't get any consistency at all. But it keeps it interesting, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it definitely spiced it up a little bit, um, but I don't know if it was for the best. For Q1, both the Aston Martins, third race weekend in a row that they did not, both did not make it out of Q1, just not looking good on, on one lap pace. Um, and Danny, again, out in Q1, looking slower than his teammate. And Joe and Latifi, well, Latifi always, but Joe, who had been looking good the past past few races, uh, was slow during qualifying. In Q2, Lando was saying that he was scared to hit the brakes, which is not something that you want to hear from 
an F1 driver going around a, a fast track like this. They're, the McLaren drivers are not comfortable in that car. It seems an odd car. I mean, the, the brakes have always been a thing this season. A lot of it was the cooling of the brakes earlier on in the season. It feels like the cooling issue is somewhat behind them now, but it just seems like the brake performance is not where it needs to be. And maybe that's the difference between Daniel Ricciardo and Lando Norris. I mean, you think about Daniel Ricciardo, he was the last of the late breakers. He was the guy that had so many moves get done on the brakes. And to be so far back, you kind of got to get a feeling that he just doesn't get on with the brakes because he was a guy who had the feel for the brakes and that was where his advantage was. Um, that's kind of where my mind's falling in in the, the Daniel Ricciardo of things because we know he's good and it's kind of unusual that he's, you know, he's, he's not getting through to, uh, to Q2. Um, and then the big controversy really from Q2 was Checo potentially having another, the track, uh, uh, the track, track limits, limits violation, <laughs> but it was, it was weird that it was, that everyone was getting picked up. Like they right. they'd barely finished the lap and they get picked up on their track limit violation. It's like, but somehow Checo was able to do, to miss out, a, you know, a corner, right? Almost, and start Q three. I mean, yeah, it, the, the end. The end result was that he finished in thirteenth because they took it took away his time from his quickest time from Q two, which is rightfully so. But it deprived someone an opportunity that they would they should have had to get into Q three. And I, I forget who it was that qualified 11th i don't think it was, it was pierre it was pierre i know it wasn't albon albon was 12th to get to q3 is the highlight of some people's weekend and it isn't the highlight of a red bull weekend so you, you kind of look at it and you go oh, man, they should have been quicker on that and then q3 was very eventful uh lewis crashes out on the chicane in a place where you don't normally see people just you know make little mistakes especially not lewis hamilton um, but he crashes out, destroys the car, and he only has a P8 time at that time. And they're thinking that he's probably going to be P10 on the grid. Yeah, they, they had an issue with, with wind. I mean, it, yes, you're in the Alps. is going to have crazy crosswinds and all sorts of stuff, given the you know the geography. But that's the same every every race, right? So it was unusual that, the, that things upset the Mercedes car at that particular point in the lap. On two, well, in, in, in two different spots on the lap. But just within, you know, a 10 minute period that first Lewis goes off and then red flag comes out. And a couple of laps later on the fast lap, George then goes out as well, stuffs it in the wall. Busy night for the Mercedes mechanics. Unusual that both cars went out. I don't think that Mercedes were ranting at uh, at Lewis and at George in the same way as maybe the Haas mechanics were were having a go at um, Kevin and, and Mick when they were both binning it earlier on in the season, like their budget wouldn't stretch too far. But uh, yeah, busy night for all involved in the Mercedes garage. Yeah. Luckily, George already had a pretty decent lap yeah. in. I mean, not what he would want, but he had a P5 lap in at the time and it was able to stick. He was able to get that P5 position. Yeah. Cause I mean, even after he went out, there was still two and a half minutes left meant that people could get out and do a lap, but it was only one lap as opposed to when Lewis went out, people probably had two flying laps to try and get, get up on him. Absolutely. And then, so Max gets, I mean, you can't really call it pole, but Max gets P1 for the sprint race. Um, and then Charles and Carlos Martin, your guys are right behind them and they're in a good position with, with Checo getting that penalty. Max is on his own. 
Yeah, and it's always you know that again. It's the, just the quali- It's just the qualifying for the sprint race, right? So it's not done and dusted yet. You've still got the sprint race to go. Points are on the table um, for the for finishing Iron Sprint uh, to get ready for the race on Sunday. So all to play for. So we get to Saturday and we have sprint qualifying. Alonso had an issue on the grid. His car didn't start. Whatever it was, the tire blankets were on the car by the time for the by the time of the formation lap, and he had to go into the pit lane and wasn't able to to get the car going and wasn't able to participate yeah. in the sprint race. And, and Martin and I were chatting about this uh, as well, and and raised a really good point because it apparently was an electrical issue, right? And and whenever they're working on electrical stuff, they don't like anyone else touching the car. And I mean, at that point, you're already in the back and it's a short race. He's not going to be able to make it up all that much. So just have him go for the, for the feature. But there was another issue during the formation lap. Joe, I'm not even sure what happened with him, but they got to the end of the formation lap and his car just stopped. His engine just stops going. Shut out. He he came on the radio and said, lost the engine. But they got it going again, and then we kind of went on and ha- enjoyed the rest of the weekend, right? So it's a little unusual that something happened. Maybe he pushed a button that he shouldn't in his prep coming up to the grid or something like that. But it was a little bit of a weird issue. And then we got a, we had a great start. Max was pushing Charles all the way to the side, just up to, to turn one. Science is able to get ahead of Charles going into the second straight. Um, it was a crazy start. Charles and Carlos were battling early and often in the sprint race. Yeah, they definitely kind of got in each other's way, um, which certainly worked to Max's advantage. Carlos was ahead. They battled for multiple laps. Um, yeah, it was good. It was good to see yeah, Charles uh, Carlos get ahead and yeah. enjoy a little bit of a battle between the two. Very respectful racing. Carlos off the back of his great weekend last week newfound confidence knowing that he's stating a claim to be in in with a shot and uh, he did a good job i think that the the move that charles put on to kind of get it back was a was a solid move good racing the sprint evolved from there there, there was a little bit of argy bargy a little bit further back that was with um pierre gasly again uh Yep. first corner incident we've seen a few of these from pierre well the last couple of weeks especially with mercedes cars. yeah he seems to like a bit of a magnet going on but um obviously gasly was the one who bore the brunt of that one um and that's really put a bit of a dampener on his whole weekend but um lewis was able to kind of keep things in the right direction and uh set himself up lost a couple of places and ended up fighting with with albon um, a couple of corners, you know, a lap or so later to, to kind of start his move back up the grid. Yeah, and it worked into Checo's hands. He was up to P8 already by the end of the first lap. Yeah. So he made up five spots in one lap. I mean, if all that hadn't have gone on, he probably wouldn't have done it. But good on him staying out of that and able to, to get ahead. Yeah, that, that's it. When you, when you have something happening in a part of the grid, particularly in that sort of 8, 9, 10 area, you've got the guys who've qualified on the edge of, uh, you know, the guys who maybe went out of Q2 when really they shouldn't, who are really, really strong, have good pace, and they can get a leapfrog over some of the guys that get tangled up a little bit. And that's when you start seeing people in the midfield in particular, because the midfield is so, so competitive this year that if you get a couple of people a little bit out of position, it makes for really, really great racing. I think the the addition of the of more points being handed out in the sprint race has helped a lot as well, because 
there's more incentive for people to to fight it out for those positions like why why are the two ferraris fighting so hard over <laughs> second place you know or people just behind that fighting so hard for, for those spots on the grid you know that are kind of in the mid midfield especially with drs you think in the main race can possibly overtake anyway but there's points on the table uh, all the way down to eight so yeah that's right martin I mean, it's a really good yeah. point last year it was three points for first two for second one for third if you're not finishing on the podium, it's not worth the fight. Right. There's a lot to lose if you touch and spin out. And, and, and oh, the downside's massive car, because you, you're you're yeah. you're in fifth place in the sprint, and you put a wheel into someone else, and you're spinning around, and then you're starting at the back of the grid for the Grand Prix when the when the real spoils are dished out. Actually, having some to, yeah. something to battle for is it makes it not all downside. It gives some upside yeah. to putting a move on. Albon had a nice pass on Lewis up into turn one, but then he pushed Lando off the track. And it, it didn't even seem all that bad. It seemed like a racing incident it to me, did. but he got a five-second penalty for that. It did. And it's like how much – maybe it wasn't the the TV angles, but it didn't. It felt like he'd given him enough room. And, and maybe yeah. the stewards had access to a different view, but it felt like he'd given him room. Uh, I mean, obviously, big Lando fan, big Albon fan as well. But um, yeah, yeah, it just felt like that was a little bit soft. But it was, you know, I, that set the, you know, you look at Albon on maybe that same corner, or maybe it was the, the one, you know, the next corner going back a couple of years with he and Lewis. I think they showed that probably a couple of times over yeah. the course of the weekend on the TV. But yeah, it, it did feel like it was a bit harsh on on Alex that one. And Checo is just flying up. He gets a nice pass on Mick, and then on the very next lap, he passes Kevin. He's up at he's up like seven or eight spots at this point. He's he's pushing for the top five. Seb and Albon again have another incident on lap eleven where Seb spins out. We'll see shades of that in the feature race as well. Um, but he was able to reverse it out of the gravel and continue on the race for most of it, and then until the very end of the race when he has to he has to bow out. Checo gets past Ocon. He's up eight spots and he's up into P5 now. Lap right, right. 12. Still a few, still a few laps left to go. But Mick and Lewis for nine, eight or nine laps were having a great little, a little tussle. Um, Mick was able to place great defense with Kevin in front of him, giving, giving him, him that the DRS. DRS. Yeah, that was huge. Yeah, that it was, a, it was a team effort for sure. Yeah. Uh, that, that Kevin was pulling. Mick along or giving Mick DRS so that he could keep Lewis behind him. And I think they even came on the radio warning or Mick was complaining that uh, yeah. Kevin was too far ahead. And the minute he lost DRS, you know, Lewis was able to, to scoot by, but uh, yeah, great racing. And, and, you know, we've been bemoaning Mick uh, on this podcast for the, this season, but obviously his first points last week. Yeah. And he seems, uh, he seems this, different. So, yeah, seems more confident. way more confident yeah yeah, yeah. All, all of a sudden uh definitely the car is seems to be significantly improved or the pace in the car uh yeah. especially in a straight line yeah so this is what we got for the end of the sprint race we had max got the pole position charles and carlos rounded out the top three george moved up a spot and was able to get p4 checo moved all the way up to p5 Ocon in P6, Kevin in P7, and Mick in P9, having both the Haases up in, in the top 10 for the feature race. Mm-hmm. Lewis stayed in eight, so, you know, probably not what he wanted, but with what he had in the beginning of the race, 
you know, not so bad. And then Botas rounded out the top 10 with both the McLarens after him. Yeah, I mean, my takeaway was, apart from the tuss- for the, at the very front, you know, Charles and Carlos had their tussle. It, it shook out Charles in second, Carlos third. But Max was just off driving away. He didn't seem bothered at all. Ferrari didn't seem to get close to him. Maybe that was just a case of them thinking it's not worth pushing and fighting and something bad happening. I don't know, but it just seemed like it was all set up for if it's more of the same on Sunday, Max looked like he was in the, you know, literally the pole position to to uh, take the win on Sunday. But Charles Charles seemed really confident after the race. He was like, we're going to be good in the feature race. I saw him interviewed in the pen afterwards, and he didn't seem too worried about it. He felt like if this were the longer race, he would have been able to get ahead of Max. So I was you know, very intrigued to see how it was going to go. And we get to the feature race about 10 minutes before the formation lap. They have Lewis's car taken apart and they're fixing something on the brakes. Um, I was pretty nervous about it, but they were, they were able to get it all fixed up and he was good to go by formation time. Toto basically just said, yeah, it's nothing. It was fine. We just had to bleed his brakes. And so it's like, uh oh, does that mean he's putting, you know, putting some shade over it and saying that everything's going to be fine? Or is it really not going to be a problem at all? And, uh, I don't think it was actually really a problem in the end. It was just getting the brake pedal where he wanted it. Yeah. So the beginning of the feature race was, was, uh, not as crazy as the, as the sprint race with, with Pierre Gasly getting tossed up in the air a little bit. But Carlos goes off right after turn one and him and George are, neck and neck right after that there was a little bit of talk you know maybe george pushed him off but it was like similar to what happened with albon in the sprint race and should carlos have let up because he was kind of passing off off the track i saw it i saw that he was behind when he came back on i didn't see him gain gain an advantage he was definitely behind george going down to the next corner so but but then I but then by the same token yeah i mean obviously you're ferrari a ferrari man i mean i think that he he went off track i don't think it was it, obviously it was first corner so everyone's jostling uh, you know jockeying for position right um he did go off the track he didn't come out the gas uh he did lose a bit of ground but then it's like how do you define the advantage and i think the whole thing around the whole rule about uh, going off track and gaining advantage came from lewis hamilton and kimi raikkonen in spa back in i think 2008 Ish. I think maybe it was Lewis that went off the track, rejoined behind Kimi, but was able to kind of stay right with him and get a slipstream and overtake him into the very next corner. But that was what defined the gaining an advantage. The fact that he got by him at the very next corner really said, that's just like that spa thing with uh, with Kimi and, uh, and Hamilton. I don't, I don't see it that way. Of course you don't, because behind, you're a Ferrari <laughs> guy. <laughs> If you're behind on the tr- no, I think it's consistent. If I was the race director, I would be consistently in favor of the Ferrari. <laughs> um, I think if you're behind, if you're if you're if you're behind, you're behind, and it's your you know it's your job to overtake. So I think he was behind going in. He was behind coming out, and then he overtook him later. So, you know. Uh, but it, it did mean that, and, and I don't want to jump on here, Jason, but it did mean that Russell found himself in that spot going into what I guess turn four at that point, was it? Yeah, turn four into that like really long hairpin. Checo and George. Yeah, come together. Come together. Checo, it, it essentially, it ended his race. He comes into the pit 
and he was done. Or he no, yeah, he, he was done a few out. laps I mean, later. Yeah, he he yeah, carried I mean, on for a little bit, but uh, you know, yeah. they were saying on the commentary that there was a big hole in his side pod. I don't think I saw it on the TV uh, for any yeah. of the pictures and everything, but it was it was damage that basically meant that the way the engines are going now, it's there's still fifty something laps left or or more in the race, and then we're like, I'm not, we're not going to get any points here. We're not yeah. we're not going to put fifty laps on this engine. Let's just call the race off now for for Checo, which is a shame because when you look at what he did going up the field from thirteenth to eighth or fifth, sorry, you know he, he was poised to uh, to move up the field. So yeah, shame his race was ruined. And George ended up getting a five second penalty for that for causing an accident. And I I kind of saw that one as a driving incident as well. I didn't feel like either one was really to blame yeah. there. They're both going for the same spot and they're really yeah, close. But I think after the, after that call in the sprint race between Albon and Lando, they'd sort of made their bed on that one. And they, you know, there was only going to be the outcome that there was, that, that was going to be a penalty. So lap five, Mick gets a nice little pass on Lewis and he's starting to, to push Kevin again, just like in the sprint race was Lewis behind him and pushing Kevin with the DRS and George was, for whatever reason, he just did not look very good in that Mercedes after their incident. He must have gotten some damage because he there was a huge line of cars behind him that he was holding up. Eventually, he comes in and takes his penalty like five laps later, um, and he comes out in 19th. Like Checo is still is still in the race, so he's the only one that he's ahead of at that point. The next lap, Charles gets DRS and he gets past Max for the first time in the race at turn four, going into that same hairpin. It looks like Max was just napping there and let that spot open up and he just let him go. Yeah, it, it was funny. Like They were showing stuff going on in the pits. Like No one was expecting Charles to make that move and certainly not Max, I guess. And then suddenly he was past him. So it was, I think Charles caught everyone napping on that one and it was a good pass and he got to <laughs> then dictate the pace of the race from there. It was, it was a very smooth move. Um, yeah, I was surprised. And then, I mean, I was shocked that he was, I was still thinking about the sprint race and how Max was comfortably ahead. I, and I, I wasn't quite as optimistic as you, Jason, uh, going in. And so to see, you know, Charles close up on him and then ultimately take the lead. Um, obviously, I was elated. But then my, <laughs> I'm kind of like a damaged goods from the last few races that I start to think about how can Ferrari screw this up or what's going to go wrong? You know? yeah. <laughs> how are Red Bull working this out? What are they doing? What's this strategy that's going to make it help them win? As soon as Charles gets by, Red Bull start tweaking their strategy and stuff, right? And yeah. doing what Red so, Bull do. So Max goes, yeah, so Max goes into the pits uh two weeks later uh two laps later puts on hard tires and i'm like is this a one stop he's going to go to the end of the race then he starts banging in fast laps and i'm like oh he's catching up already and now charles is gonna have to stop and he's gonna be behind and yeah i wasn't in i was happy but i was the, the mathematics of it and not seeing them on the track next to each other i couldn't work out who was ahead it was uh, a stressful time and then next lap, Lewis passed back Nick Mick in a really oh, this was a great, great little move. spot. It was such on the a chicane. Great move. And then George, I mean, not getting ahead. I am getting ahead of myself. George had a nice little move at the exact same spot a little bit later in the race, where you we're just seeing what these new cars are able to do. Where in the past you wouldn't be able to make passes here because you'd just be too far behind. And then just four laps after Max pits, he came out 
came down into eighth place. He's already back up in the third. Yeah. Um, passing Lewis into turn four, and Max is doing what Max does, you know, changing up the strategy and flying back up the field and putting pressure on the Ferraris. Yeah. But then we had some crazy racing in the midfield just a few laps after that. Um, so first, Alcon and Joe were battling back and forth in the beginning of the lap, around lap 23. And then Ocon is able to get ahead, and then Yuki passes by. And then on the next lap, we have five cars going in to one turn at one time. And you kind of see it building on that straight. And you're like, there's no way that they're going to be able to get out of this without hitting each other. But they all came out fine. It was it was crazy. I, yeah. I can't even remember what cars were in there. There were so many, it was hard to keep track. I, I know both yeah, the houses. I, I wouldn't even want to guess. <laughs> two, two of every car. It was so cool. <laughs> I've never seen anything like that in my short time watching F1. I don't know yeah. about you guys seeing five cars in one turn like that, like yeah. in the middle of a race. You see it in you see it in IndyCar and you yeah. know, oval racing and stuff like that. But yeah, to get all five cars in the same spot, at the same time and for them to make it all around uh was great yeah i think the commentators were just as excited as as well couldn't get his words out and then three laps later checo finally retires like we were talking about earlier they just cut it quits time to call call an end to the night charles charles pits on that lap as well so that's the first of the leaders not max to pit and he comes out in third and then Carlos pits either the next lap or the lap after that, and Max is yeah. back ahead. And but but Charles and Carlos are on much fresher tires. Yeah, and th- this is where I I was still nervous at, at this point. They both done one pit stop, and this is the order of the race, and Max is in the lead. So, but yeah, you gotta you gotta look at it in its entirety. Ferrari didn't get shaken uh, by by Max coming in early. Checo's out at this point. I started to get a bit cynical as I was writing up my notes for this race, thinking maybe Ferrari can handle it when they have one strategy just for both drivers at the same time. So bring bring in Charles one lap, then the next lap signs for the same thing. Just have them both do the same thing. Then we don't get all confused about what we're doing. Maybe that helps. And I think it did. Uh, but... <laughs> But yeah, I mean, when Charles came out the pits, I think it was like six or six point seven or seven seconds behind Max. But at that point, like a twelve lap tire difference, yeah. and I don't know whether Max just kind of knew that he was on a different strategy, but it just felt that that gap closed really, really quickly, and then yeah. then Charles was ahead. Yeah, yeah, it just yeah it only took. Nine, no, it was not even that. Four laps, like four laps, yeah, yeah, five laps for him four to, or five to laps. come up to, to Max and pass him. So, yeah. and Max didn't put up any defense on that on that either. He just let him go by. Yeah, I guess at that point of the race, it's clear that they're on very very different strategies, and I think that Max just didn't want to sacrifice time battling. He just wanted to yeah. get on with his own pace and manage his tires and. And then, you know, take the fight at the end. Lap 34, Lando gets a five-second penalty for track limits. It's the first one. So Pierre had gotten one, but they didn't They didn't really talk about it. They kind of just said both of them at the same time. So at this point, we learned both Lando and Pierre have five-second penalties for track limits. On the next lap was one of my favorite moments of the race, though. So Yuki and Alonso 
We're battling down the the second straight, and Yuki's you know pushing Alonzo off. He's Alonzo's half on the grass, but Alonzo's still able to get by him. And you just see the uh, the in cockpit shot, and Alonzo just shaking his finger at Yuki as he's driving by. That was like vintage Alonzo right there. It was awesome. But he was properly his both both right wheels were off the track. It, yeah. like on the grass, the the bottom of his car was like hitting the deck, sparking. My son was like, "Look at the sparks!" Big time. I mean, there was sparks yeah. coming off. But Fernando, man, he's he's something else. He just kept his foot in it, and it, it almost felt like he was going to back off. But then he thought, "Nah." And then you know, mm-hmm. like on like in the movies where they're gunning it down the straight, and they're going, and yet suddenly it shows a picture of the footwell, and they jam the throttle as if they weren't already on the throttle. Fully, you know, it just felt like that, and it was just like Fernando's like, "No, you're not, you're not having it." And then just the little finger wag was just vintage. It was great stuff. Yeah, that was great. And then a couple laps later, Max pits again, goes on hard tires again, and he comes out in third place. And you know, we knew he was fast the first time he came out on those hard tires, but he was so far behind at this point. And then on the next lap, you hear Max's radio. And they say, we need you to match Lewis's pace, who is behind them. Uh, Max is, you know, protesting, why are we doing this? But he, he just doesn't have the pace, and their strategy was not working out for them with the Ferraris. Well, they actually said, but they did say, you're free to push, Max. You know, they said, all right, go go ahead. You know, maybe so maybe they weren't concerned that he was going to use his tires up that much, and Lewis was going to get him. But, uh, yeah, a little, it was good to see a little discord on the in the Red Bull, <laughs> Red Bull pit. That was That was fun. And then on lap 40, we get the second Pierre incident where Seb had gotten around him on the outside of that like big hairpin turn and Pierre just bumps him off the track and Seb's in the gravel again. And that's where Pierre gets his second five second penalty. Yeah, there was plenty of room on the inside there for Pierre, I I believe. I mean, as I think the uh, stewards agree too, so... Yeah, as much as we, you know, this this is what we concerned about. So you get five cars going around the corner without touching each other, and then two car, two cars. If one of them's got Pierre Gasly in it, <laughs> yeah. doesn't seem to be able to make it. Yeah, because there was that one, uh, and maybe that comes a little bit later in the race. But suddenly, everyone is in the same bit of track. Oh, we talked. We talked about this when you were like muted and disappeared. Oh, was that there? A couple of minutes. You missed. <laughs> oh, that was the lap thirty. Max, Charles, Carlos, Lewis, everyone all at the same place. <laughs> phenomenal, just phenomenal. It was. It was great. Yeah, I, I had to step away for a second. I didn't realize you weren't there. Uh, um, but say your bit now, and uh, Jason will cut it in. Uh, yeah, great <laughs> racing. Great racing. Yeah. Um, but it was, yeah, it's always great to see so many cars in the same spot of track because, and, and the reason that I kind of brought that one up at that point was because just after the, um, uh, what we were just talking about with, um, Seb and, and Pierre is when you had both Hasses coming up to Lance Stroll and, Yes. They, that, that was another great bit of just like yeah. bombarding him and i think that stroll just didn't know what he was I loved it. it and they were just suddenly by him in like all different ways it was you know just <laughs> the, the, some of the just generally some of the overtakes in this race were really really good just really yeah, good yeah. just people just kind of setting up a pass not just getting it done under drs and now obviously in some cases 
the setup of the pass is happening in one DRS zone so that they've got it in moving into the next or positioning themselves to a couple of different ones of them. But there were some quality overtakes in this race. There really were. There was a lot of great overtaking. Finally, we see Charles pits from the lead again. We thought maybe they were going to be doing a, a one-stop, but it looks like everybody's pitting for the two-stops now. And he pits and comes out behind, and he has got a, he's got to chase Max again and pass him for a third time, hopefully. And I, did, I guess Carlos, Carlos pit the next lap as well, I yeah, believe. Yeah, the Ferrari strategy again. Same yep. two drivers, one strategy, uh, one lap apart. Yeah, so it was, what, um, lap 51, Max was in the lead with Charles and Carlos. They, they pitted, but they still came out in second and third, chasing him down. But he was only a few seconds behind Max yeah. at this point. You knew that they were going to get by him eventually with yeah. the pace that they had. And then Leaf, Latifi retires at that point in the race, too. So okay. he was out. <laughs> Enough of Latifi. <laughs> so lap 53, Charles overtakes Max for the third time in the race to take the lead. And Carlos is also going really fast. Um, and he's he's catching up to Max. It's just a matter of time before he's going to take that spot. But then he's right behind him on that straight, and they happen to be in that view from the cockpit where it was showing they were in the car throttle and the brakes, and they were showing like how much pressure he was putting on the different pedals. And you just saw the throttle drop down in the middle of the straight, and he pulls off, and, and you his heard car it is in flames. Yeah, it was. Uh, but he he was, was he was setting bit. up the pass. Right, he'd had yeah. the first go under that first DRS. He was up there, and he was making the move, and then it was cut off from him. And but that was a proper engine just launching itself, which we haven't seen in a really long time. Like a proper yeah. engine blow up. And when they showed, then obviously when it happened, you were in the car, and then they showed you know outside the car. But when they showed it from a different angle, a little bit later. You saw the flames just shoot out the side pods and you saw the yeah. bits of car, bits of engine just flying out like yeah. red hot bolts and nuts and stuff just flying out of the car. It didn't look so it didn't look so dangerous at first. He he pulled off to the side, he looked well in control. There was smoke coming out the back and then yeah, the flames started. Um but then he sort of pulled quite a long way up to this sort of corner on the far side of a gravel trap. And then the fire started and the fire got worse and the smoke got worse and nobody was there. You it took a while. In the background. There was one guy. Yeah, you saw the was one. Was the one guy, was he, he a photographer or something? There's one guy who just stood there <laughs> the looking f- at it. And one, yeah, you're right. One guy put his fire extinguisher <laughs> on the ground and ran back to something or other. It's like, it, it, the car's on fire. I, I, at, the t- <laughs> at the time, I was not happy with, with the stewards, but 24 hours later and, and, and reading up about it, um, and I think even on Reddit, like a supposed steward even posted, but he was in a spot that was, he was a bit further away from where they were. There was the, that photographer was in the way. Um, they were trying to get people to him, but it was still an active track. They hadn't put the virtual safety car on yet. Mm. It wasn't, it wasn't safe. They weren't supposed to enter the That's track right. area. And then obviously the fire caught up pretty quickly. The yeah, car yeah. was rolling. Cause um, that's a, it's a pretty steep yeah. hill up there. You know, yeah, where yeah, it, it all was, happened, it, it was he was, lot, it was going uphill. The car was moving. It was, I mean, Carlos yeah. was wanting to get out of the car, but whenever he took his foot 
off the brake, the car was moving backwards. So people started talking about, you know, San Francisco parking rules where you have to like crank your wheel over to the left so that you can, so that it'll roll into the wall. And then other people are saying, well, if you do that, you can't take the wheel off the car to get out of the car. I don't know if that's true or he not. He should have just put it, it um, he should have just put it in the gravel. That would have helped. Who, who, who knows? Who knows what they should or could have done? It was probably only a few seconds in the yeah. grand scheme of things. It seemed like yeah. a lot longer watching it. It, it did seem, um, seem a bit the, Keystone Cops a little bit. And yeah, the, the marshal got in there, you know, he basically manhandled the, the tire with a small chock to try and stop it, which didn't really do much. But yeah, just like ultimately, <laughs> everybody, everybody was safe. Everything worked out. I think Martin Brundle's comments about trying to save the car for the financial cap were a little bit misplaced, maybe just in the heat of the moment. That wasn't the most important thing they were yeah. worried about. But um, yeah, Carlos, shades of, I mean, now I'm going to go in my history books. But it wasn't really his his mistake, but shades of Mika Hakkinen sitting behind the bush in yeah. Italy uh, he, on the side of the road. Luckily, I think one guy checked up on him to make sure he was okay, but then left him alone because clearly he was a guy that didn't want to talk to anybody at that particular moment. Yeah, I mean, that was 18 yeah. points Just, in the bag, really. Unbelievable. And, you know, yeah. when you look at what the impact on the championship, I'm not one to give the, the game away, give the result away, but we're what, like, five, 10 laps from the end at this point. (laughs) But, you know, the impact, not just on Carlos's championship, but on Charles's as well, given how much ground he needs to make up, that's an extra, you know, haul of points that, um, that Max has got. Massive. Yeah. It was, it was devastating for for Carlos. You know, that was a a perfect, a perfect race from him. Um, and from and from Charles yeah. really up until that point and yeah, yeah. but then virtual safety car does come out and we've we've seen at maybe Abu Dhabi was a like a, an inflection point in terms of uh, like ten laps or you know before the end of the race whenever there's a safety car right. or any sort of cheap pit stop to be had or you just Charles like two weeks yeah ago. exactly you yeah. just take t- you just stop. take the pit so, stop and everyone's going to do it and because wherever you end up. If you're the guy on, even if it's 12 lap old tires and they're hard yeah, tires, you're going to have people who come and pit with 10 laps left and put the softs on and you're going to be going backwards. So the VSC brought Charles, Max, Lewis all into the pits to, you know, put some softer rubber on ready to go to the end. There was hope maybe there was probably, maybe there was one Ferrari strategist that thought about keeping Charles out just in case, you know, you know, we didn't want him to like fall back. And if that guy, hopefully that guy got slapped. (laughs) Finally, they they got it right. One car, one strategy. That's the new Ferrari way. We've only got one car to worry about now. So then two laps later, George passes Ocon, and he's up in the P4, even with a car that's got some damage on it, and Mercedes are sitting at 3-4, which is pretty yeah. good for them. A couple laps after that, Botas gets past Albon. Albon was, was running in, in the top 10 with only 10 laps to go, but he got pushed out in the last last few laps. And then we hear that Charles is having some issues with his throttle pedal of maybe it's sticking. He, they don't really know. They're trying to fix it from the uh, pit lane, but Martin's heart was in his nervous. mouth. <laughs> <laughs> it se- so it seems like I'll go, I'm going to go to the analytic route, not the emotional <laughs> route, but it seems like yeah, it wasn't 
fully releasing. So I guess they were talking about 9% being sort of the released point. And if it wouldn't, wasn't low enough on the throttle, it wouldn't downshift. So maybe he was having to pull physically pull the pedal up with his foot yeah. to uh, get it to downshift. But he got his head and feet around that issue pretty quickly, I guess, and was able to sort of handle it for the four or five laps. He let Max certainly closed up from sort of four seconds all the way down to like less than two by the end. But uh, yeah, I mean, I was watching it and going, was, come on, Charles. Because you could hear him coming in, it's, it's not going to zero. I, I, I hadn't heard the yeah. 9%, but I, I know that, you know, some yeah, drivers do know, put a bit of throttle yeah. on with, with the brake as they're going through corners, help the car move around. But yeah, yeah if you can't downshift, then that's going to be a problem for the, for the exit of the corner. But I think he managed yeah, to yeah, get it to where it needed to. And obviously he, he finished the race and stayed ahead of Max. It's always fun when you get like a, a driver which has an interesting mechanical issue that doesn't take the car out completely at the end of the race. Every so often, I remember Michael Schumacher having to drive around. Stuck in, in fifth gear. Yeah, I think I was in Spain. <laughs> yeah. But still putting in still putting in like semi-decent lap times with one gear. Yeah. You know? <laughs> Just... Um, you know, crazy. I was thinking that exact same example. Yeah, yeah, he was able to still put in some really good laps though, and was able to stay ahead and win his first race in over three months. Yep. Second Ferrari win in a row. Maybe the tables have turned a little bit for <laughs> your Ferrari guys. Although Maybe. we have to see what they can do to Maybe. Carlos's was- car now. It was it was hard to be happy with the win last week. It was hard to be happy with the you win. You found it hard to be happy with the win? It was. I'm like I'm just like weirdly like Can't you just have this, a Can't you just one, enjoy two. it, Martin? I know, I know. I don't know what's wrong with me. I don't know. Like from the start of the season to now, you know, when Charles won the first race, it was all spoke and you know, Red Bulls were blowing up all over the place. It's a it's a, that seems like a distant memory. Yeah. Um, and I just want, I just want Ferrari to, to, to dominate. Yeah. <laughs> to put, put it, okay. So just baby steps, Martin, they've won two races I in know. a row. They've only managed to scupper one driver out of four attempts, like two drivers, two, two races. This is, this is a win. This is, you know, Ferrari, it's, it's, like you said, one car, one strategy, just, you know, take it one race at a time, try not to mess it up. Um, so obviously in terms of winners, yeah. Ferrari um, split a little. Charles, yeah. obviously winner. He was the fastest guy all week. Well, all race. Yeah. It's funny how the, the changing conditions between the two days, less crosswind on the Sunday, uh, slightly cooler temperatures, I think. Cooler, um, to say, yeah. Just yeah, played into helps. Ferrari's hands. So Well, the Hasses were with the Ferrari engines were just crazy fast as well. Yeah. Like, yeah so, good. You know, maybe that's part of it you know, too. That's what obviously also big winners on the day, double points finish for the second race in a row. Um, they were what sixth, obviously with Mick and eighth with Kevin. I think last time out Silverstone, yeah. it was eighth with Mick and ninth or 10th with Kevin. I forget exactly where Kevin finished. Yeah, double, double so they've, they've, they've double dipped in, uh, you know, back to back races. So great yeah. result for them. Mercedes, look like they've i mean obviously i think their car is quite track specific you know the second race in a row where they've they've got it switched on france should be a mercedes type circuit very very smooth it's like the the, te- the the test track very smooth um 
I think they, I don't really know the track too well, but some high speed corners in there as well. So, you know, hopefully that'll play into Mercedes hands, um, in two weeks. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and, and Mick was voted driver of the day. Um, yeah, probably quite, quite deservedly. I'd still probably say that, that Charles was the real driver of the day, but you know, I I guess everyone has a big soft spot for Mick because everyone likes him. He seems like such a nice guy, very different to his dad. Yeah. His dad was very stern, very ruthless. Mick seems like a good dude. No, but I did read a stat that Haas are now the second, just past a team I've never heard of as being a team that have started the second most Grand Prix and not scored a podium with 133. Oh, wow. It was actually, um, it it was a question uh, posed on Twitter by one of the guys I follow, Virtual Statman. It was, can you name the team that has the most uh, Grand Prix starts without a podium? Martin. Uh, I would say, I'm trying to think, my first inkling was maybe Sauber. But I think they definitely had a they've had they've had a win. Kubica won the Canadian yeah. Grand Prix. Um, yeah, so that doesn't count. Well, he was at, I guess BMW was Sauber. Yeah, at that that's time. right. But oh, it was BMW but I Sauber. It wasn't Williams. Yeah. Can I have a clue? Okay, I'll give you a clue. So minority. So and and uh, much of Twitter, much of the Twitterverse agreed with you, but uh, that I I guess because. Minardi weren't always Minardi, and then after Minardi, they weren't Minardi anymore. Right. But the um, they were Toro Rosso. 40, Forty Ford. The Palmer they didn't last cars. that long. So <laughs> I know. <laughs> so has no, they lasted a season, two seasons maybe. Has um, have now entered <laughs> one hundred and thirty three Grand Prix and not scored a podium. The team on right. number one, the most Grand Prix entries without a podium, are on one hundred and forty in eight races time. Haas at the US Grand Prix have the opportunity to set the record for the oh. most without a podium in the race that immediately follows the home nation of this particular constructor. So if you the, one, the, the constructor this constructor is an American constructor? No, Haas is an American constructor and Haas can set right. the record for the most starts without a podium. <laughs> The race immediately, won, immediately before that was the home nation, the home Grand Prix of the um, of the team that have the oh most gosh. currently. Toyota, you the man. Toyota, all right. Japan, all right. Interesting. I'm trying to think, yeah. Toyota was got pretty close really? a couple they times. They were so though. close. Yeah, truly. And they were good. Yano, truly, truly Ralph Schumacher. They were they were a good team. Truly won the Monaco Grand Prix. Who was he? Does yeah. wasn't. Wasn't true. Didn't truly win Monaco. Who was uh, driving for then for Renault, Benetton oh. back then, right? Yeah, no. So Toyota came yeah. so close yeah. on a number of times, but they yeah. never hit oh. a podium. Oh dear. Coops. Oh, oh coops. I haven't looked. Check. I haven't looked. I'm not winning anymore. Coops, am don't I? look. You're. You uh, You're down you're, in. Down in third, I think. Overall. You had a pretty brutal. Pretty well, I haven't race. actually set. Yeah. I haven't put my picks in the last two races. Well, you did yeah, well two, you two even, races ago. You didn't even crack a uh, hundred points. Your lowest uh, point total, ninety nine points for you. Yeah, that's uh, yeah. Um, I, well, the thing is, though, because yeah. it was the sprint weekend, and it totally threw me. And I, yeah, so 
There we go. Up, yeah, have to pay attention. I threw it up like 10 minutes before the, before qualifying. I totally forgot. And I just threw it up there, but it was for, still for me, it was Saturday morning week. and I opened my, the F1 app on my phone and it said practice two. I was like, what do you mean practice two? Was it raining yesterday and they canceled <laughs> the second practice session or something? What's going on here? And then it's like, Oh, it was qualifying yesterday. It's a sprint race. The, the top scores were the Coupes F1 top scores were people who who just managed to. They, everybody had you know Carlos in there and uh, the midfield uh, makes it. The midfield, but they just it. got they just got the rest of the they just yeah. got the rest of the guys right exactly. The, the people that happened to put 10. both the McLarens in the top ten for whatever reason, Which no one should have done. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, right. in, and in both right Hasses in the top yeah. ten. Thanks for listening to The Undercut with Jason Martin and Nick. We hope you enjoyed the show, and we'll see you next time for the French Grand Prix.